that is what separates people from their creator is thinking that they can control their life is thinking that they are the god of their own life and that they can create and follow their own rules so it's that humility piece and that really saying look i didn't create the universe I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Wait, how how am I actually waking up every single day and getting home safely and feeling emotions of love and being able to laugh and being able to play and being able to feel all these things to taste good food? It's because we have a good creator. We have a good God and a good father. Hello, beautiful people. It's your host, Danielle Mason, bringing you authentic conversation, transparency around real life experiences, and actionable tips to create your next breakthrough today. Think of this as your home away from home healing oasis where we overshare and overcome obstacles together. Pull up a seat, come as you are, and be ready to leave feeling challenged to reflect, encouraged to take action, and inspired to change. This is the Blackout to Breakthroughs podcast. Hello, Blackouts and Breakthroughs family. I'm your host, Danielle Mason. If it's your first time listening to the show, welcome. So excited to have you here. Today, this was placed so heavy on my heart. And just with the end of the year and this holiday season, I really felt like this is a really important topic. And not just topic, but a really important truth. Because throughout our life and through experiences and through other people, our idea and concept and belief about what love is taints our belief in the love that God actually has for us. I know probably when you were a child, you heard the song, So Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, for the Bible Tells Me So, and we would sing it. And I'm not sure how many of you actually really felt that and accepted that into your heart, because I know I didn't. And I know most of us have heard 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter in the Bible. And it's something that really needs to be meditated on because we would say it, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. It doesn't envy. It's not arrogant. It never fails. Love never fails. And every single one of us can come onto this episode thinking different definitions of love. Another thing that I'm sure you guys have heard is God knows all the hairs on your head. And these are things that we get told, but I just encourage you to just like take a second and pause and think during this episode. If you need to pause at any parts after I say something, pause it and just like really rest in the truth that's being spoken in the truth of God's love for you and the magnitude of it, because I'm not sure what you've come on to this episode Bringing, what past baggage, what past hurts, where it's your, your family, your mom, your dad, your friends, or just complete strangers, or even people in church, or people who claim to be Christians and Jesus followers. So you can co- be coming onto this episode having a tainted idea of God's love for you. And I, my, my main purpose and my hope and my prayer for this episode is for you to really understand, not, we can't even honestly ever understand the magnitude of God's love because our human minds are incapable of really understanding it. There's not even enough words in our vocabulary to describe the love that God has for you. And so my hope is that you leave this episode just one, acknowledging God's love for you. Acknowledging with a an intellectual knowledge, but not just that. That's like the least thing that I want you to walk away with. Acknowledging and actually accepting and feeling 
feeling in your heart the love that God has for you. And so my prayer for you is, is to really define love, define the purity of love and not the human type of love, but the God and the heavenly type of love. So first, we're going to start off with definitions. We're going to start off with the different types of love that exist. So in Hebrew, there's actually four different types of love. And so the first type of love is eros. It's a sexual love. It derives from erotic. So it's that sexual type of love that you have for somebody. Next, there's storage. I don't even know how to pronounce it, but it's S-T-O-R-G-E. And that is a family love. So a love that you have for your sister, your brothers, your parents parents. That's a family type of love. And then there's phila, similar to philanthropy. And this is a brotherly friendship or affection. This is a love of deep partnership. And this is the highest love that man is capable of without God's help. So you can have a serious affection for people. You can really love them. So I would say like your spouse, if you don't have God's help in the way that you love, you probably have this phila type of love, this affection for your spouse or this affection for a family member or a friend. And a lot of the times we can get stuck here with God and have an affection type of love for him. And I do too. Okay. I definitely do. This is like a daily thing. And it's because there's a next level of love and this love cannot be done without God's help. And it's agape love. And this is a type of love that was portrayed on the cross through Jesus. This is the type of love that God has for you. No matter what you've done in your past, no matter what you've done today, what you're planning on doing, this is the type of love that God has for you. It's the sacrificial type of love. It's this giving, this absorbing kind of love. This is a love that does not change change. Think about a love that does not change. Think about when you get in an argument or a fight with somebody that you really love. Your love for them can kind of change that moment. It's like, oh my gosh, like you're getting on my nerves or like you take offense onto what they say. That's not love. We look at the, the, the definition of what love is. Love does not get offended. It is not provoked. That is love. In, in 1 Corinthians 13, we can start feeling these negative feelings towards people that we really love when they mess up or when they hurt you. And of course, we can say, well, of course that happens, right? Like my feelings and my emotions are valid. But when we really think about this agape type of love, it's an all absorbing kind of love. In 1 Corinthians, it says, love bears all things, believes all things, and hopes all things, and endures all things. It's not saying some things. It's not saying love endures all things unless you have been wronged. That's not the definition of love. We can put a limit on God's love for us and have this like watered down version of, of God's love for us through our own incapabilities of actually loving somebody to that extent, to that agape type love, or even having not felt that from people around us. So this agape type of love, it has little to do with emotion. It has to do much more with self-denial for the sake of another person. So when we think about what God really did for us, this is the greatest love story of all time. When we look at just the image, think about truly thinking about the person that you love most in the world. Who is it? Think about have that person in your mind. Who do you love most on this earth? And think about them picturing them being crucified to a cross. What does that make you feel? 
God literally putting himself in man's body, putting himself through all the things that man go through, all the things that we go through. It's like a king in his kingdom going to a village where you have to sleep on the floor, maybe like a hut even with no food, no water. The only thing you have to eat are sticks. You have no phone, no Wi-Fi, no anything, right? You have no luxury. That's essentially what God did for us, for you. So I'm going to say not even for us, but for you. Everything that I'm saying that God's doing, he did it for you. We have to make this personal because it is. This is God's love story for you. He sent his only son to go through all the things that we go through, to go through as a baby, not being able to care for himself, go through a baby growing up and going through all the things that we have to go through, all the hardships, being tempted, and then being crucified, being mocked, being humiliated, being rejected, being wrongly accused, all these things that we face that that lead us down dark paths. Jesus stayed that perfect son the perfect man. And he was hung on the cross, totally innocent. Jesus took all of that because of his love, his agape, his sacrificial love for us, because he wanted to save you. And he wanted a relationship with you for all of eternity. He wanted to show you through action, through the sacrificial love of how much he desires a relationship with you. And it's truly just so beautiful. I mean, I remember when I first gave my life to Christ, it was just like this overwhelming feeling of love. And it was like my eyes had been able to see, like there was like the veil, right? You will hear people talk about the veil being taken off. It's like the veil is taking off, taken off of my eyes. And I could see truth. I could see what Jesus actually did for me. I could see the brokenness that I was living in, my sin, and how I was just stuck. But the freedom that comes with Jesus, it's this, it's this free gift that people just reject. And so I want you, we, we had to start out with the types of love and just that image of Jesus hanging on, on the cross for your sins, your sins and my sins to offer forgiveness, to say, you know what? It should have been me up there. It should have been you up there on the cross. It should have been, it should have been all of us, right? Because we were all guilty. We're all guilty of sin. And we all, there has to be justice. Justice has to be made. And it's up to you. It's up to us to accept that sacrifice and to choose to have Jesus as our savior and our Lord. I know some people may be thinking, well, I don't want to follow God because it's just a bunch of rules. He's trying to control my life. But let's stop and let's really think about the laws. All of the laws are for our own good. (laughs) He doesn't make us worship him. He doesn't make us do anything. He gave us that gift of free will. And look at what humans did with it. (laughs) But he gives us these, these gifts every single day. And he says, man has no excuse to not know who I am and to not know the goodness of God because even breathing, imagine, I don't know if you guys have ever like been sleeping and you like couldn't breathe in your dream and like you were trying to like breathe for air and it was just stuffy and then you wake up and your head is under the pillow or under, under the blanket. I don't know if that's just me, but I had so many moments like that and whenever I came up for that breath, it was like, oh my gosh, I take 
for granted the breath I'm able to breathe in. If we look at all of creation, the fact that plants, I know they don't breathe out, I don't know the right terminology for it, but they emit oxygen and they take in carbon dioxide. Things, the the, the substance that, that kills us, the substance, the carbon dioxide that we breathe out that comes out of our bodies because our bodies don't breathe in carbon dioxide, the plants breathe that in and then breathe out oxygen, the the substance that we need, that is not by accident. That is evidence of a God that is good, that loves his creation, that loves mankind. Looking at the trees or the sunsets, the beauty of it, the magnitude of just the beauty that we feel, this, this feeling of love that we have, laughter and different types of laughter. I was reading in Crazy Love, highly recommend. I literally read half of it in Barnes & Noble yesterday and I'm going back to read the second half, but it's by Francis Chan. It's freaking amazing. And he talks about laughter. Like God, think about all the different types of laughter. Like my laugh, Jamar makes fun of it because he says I like laugh backwards. I like breathe in, it's my laugh, I don't know. But think about all the different types of laughter, the obnoxious laugh, the silent laugh, the going crazy, running around laugh, all these different types of laughter. How beautiful that is. God didn't have to make all those different types of laughter. He could have just made one type, but no. He could have just made one type of tree species, but no, he made different types of tree species. So just thinking about all just creation itself, the ocean, how it relaxes us, this this water. It's not by coincidence. Think about all the toxic things I know we've all had, no matter who you are, or maybe not. Some of us didn't have like a crazy, crazy time in our life, but I definitely did. And I just think about all the times where I was just like intoxicating my body with blah, with with toxins, and I'm still alive and breathing today. My body's fully operating. Just think about the grace. Like that is grace. That is grace. All those blackout nights, you know, things that we intake in our bodies, even food, fast food, all of these horrible things, things that we put on our bodies, all these toxins. And yet we can, we're still walking and operating a normal, healthy human being, most of us, right? That is grace. That is God's love. The fact that our food tastes good. The fact that we can see colors. Think about a world where we just saw black and white. All these small little details that we just think just happened when we were born and there wasn't a creator that created these beautiful things for us to experience. God is good and he loves you. And another thing of grace, let me just say this too, is how you wake up every single morning and how you dodge. Think about all the things that could go wrong in your day. And it's grace that we get in our cars every single day. Somebody could literally be looking on their phone and swerve over into your lane and kill you. Like there's all these things and we we take these days, and this is what Francis Chan talks about, we take these days as if it's just another day. But there's so much grace and mercy in every single day. Every single time we step outside, we could not come back home. Every time we go to sleep, we could possibly not wake up. This is grace. This is not just a coincidence. Think about this world rotating in the middle of space, how we're rotating around the sun at a perfect angle and the perfect degrees. This is not by coincidence. (laughs) So we just really stopping and thinking about these huge things, but things that are free to us. When things are usually free to us, we don't give it that much thought. These free gifts that are given to us, like family love and, and creation and these different things, but they're the most beautiful gifts that we'll ever receive. So just courage like to take some time and just to stop and think and just praise God. It's like truly God deserves to be praised. 
God deserves every single ounce of our praise. I want to pull us to Psalms. I want you to really meditate on Psalms 23. While you meditate on this, yes, it's about what God does for you, but think about the type of God he has to be to do this for you. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. How many of us feel like we need like restoration for our soul and our minds? God walks alongside you. And if you just ask him, he will deliver. He's a faithful God. Our problem is that we don't ask and we don't ask in faith. Think about a child. When when you were a kid, you trusted your parents with blind faith because they were your parents, right? You saw no fault in them. You trusted every single thing that they said. That's how we should be towards God because he is the perfect father. There's a scripture that says, think about the gifts that your earthly father can give you and how much more your father in heaven, your perfect father in heaven will give you. That's something to meditate on and think about too. And it's like, wow, have I been limiting God? What have I been asking for? Am I not seeing him for the God and Abba father who he really is? It goes on to say, he guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. How many of us want a guide, a counselor, a provider, a protector, somebody to lead us? That is who God is. And even though, it says in four, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He's the ultimate comforter. He's the ultimate deliverer. Think about you going through your worst time, going through a scary season, through a season that should have took you out. We all have a season like that, I feel like, but it didn't take you out because God's grace and mercy was there. It's bountiful. It's abundant. He's your comforter. And if you didn't know God then, when you know who God is and you go through a dark valley or season, you trust in God and you have your faith in God, you'll have peace. You'll have comfort. That's a promise from Jesus. He is a prince of peace. You will have peace and comfort. And this one, verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil. You are anointed. You have a table prepared for you in front of your enemies. Like what? This is the God that we serve. My cup overflows. So it's not to get to the rim and then stop, right? Grace doesn't just get to the rim and then stop. Mercy doesn't just get to the rim and stop. Abundance, all these things, it doesn't just get to the rim and stop. It is overflowing. And why does God want it to overflow? Why does he want your cup to overflow? Because he wants us to overflow on other people, on the people that he loves, our brothers and sisters. And then it ends in six, surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The house of the Lord is where you want to be. (laughs) I'm going to read a couple of other verses and we're going to dive into Jeremiah 1. Jeremiah is expressing to God his worry of him not knowing the right words to say or from him saying the wrong thing. So Jeremiah had that fear and that may be you. You may have a fear of what other people are going to think of you. You may have a fear of what you're going to say in your interview or a fear of whatever it might be, a fear of your future, whatever it is. Imagine God, our God in heaven, the Lord saying this to you as I'm speaking it. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I made you sacred. I've appointed you a prophet to the nations. Do not say, I do not know how to speak. Do not say, I am a youth. I am but a a baby. Because everywhere I send you, you shall go. And all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them. 
for I am with you to deliver you. I have put my words in your mouth. I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. So meditating on that. And that is a God that wants to deliver you from evil, a God that knew you before you were even a thought in your parents, a God that, again, knows every hair on your head, a God that knows you to your depths and to your core. And many of us, in our depths and in our hearts and in our minds, we can think wicked things. We can think evil things. We can think disgusting things. But God still loves you. And he still is saying, you are my anointed. And I will be there with you to help you speak, to help you through your battle, to help you through your fear. You have no reason to be afraid because I am your Lord is what God is saying. In 110, God is saying, I've appointed you this day. This day that you are living, this is a day that I saw way back then, before you were even here, before you were in your mother's womb. I saw this day for you. I've anointed you on this day. I've appointed you over the nations, over the kingdoms. What does that mean? Over rulers of the world, over celebrities of the world, over these public figures. I have appointed you. And then in 119, God is saying, you will have people fight against you. You will have enemies. You will have Satan come and try to deceive you and to fight against you and to make you fall or try to make you fall. But God is saying his promises, but they will not overcome you for I am with you to deliver you. So what is that saying? And how can you apply this to your life today? If you right now do not feel like God loves you or you don't, you need to see it or, or you need to experience it, Ask God to do that. He says he will be with you. Now, if you haven't surrendered your life over to Jesus, today is a day of salvation. There's nothing to fear. Today could be the best day of your entire life, and it could be the first day of the rest of your life. How you surrender to Jesus is by first just acknowledging who he is and acknowledging that you have rebelled against him and you have strayed away or drifted away and you have done things that you're disappointed in in yourself. Acknowledge those things and just confess those things to him. So confess it and say, God, I don't even know what I'm doing. All I know is that I've messed up. All I know is that I am a sinner and I need a savior and I want you, Jesus, to be my savior. I need you in my life. I don't want to do this on my own anymore. I need you as my savior and my Lord from today and all the rest of my days. God, can you please forgive me for all of my sins, for all of my past? And God, help me, Lord. Help me see your love for me and help me see who you are. I surrender my life to you. I want you to be my king. I want you to be my Lord. And I accept you as my savior. And I just thank you for being such a good God and the perfect father for me. Help me see your love in my life today. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you need to repeat after me in that prayer, feel free. It's just about repenting, right? It's about just confessing. You know, whenever you're making an apology to somebody, you don't just act like you didn't do a wrong towards them, right? You have wronged God and he's standing there waiting for you to forgive you and to call you his child and to overflow your cup and for you to see miracles in your life, for you to feel his love and for you to walk out as a different person. That is what he wants for you. 
It's the best decision you'll ever make. So if this is the first time you're surrendering to Jesus, heaven is celebrating, I'm celebrating, praise God. And we still have a little bit to go in diving into God's love for us. And so turning over to Ephesians 1, this is talking about the blessings of redemption, the blessings that God gives his children. So if you made a decision for Jesus, this is, the, this is his promise to you. And it says that God our Father has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places of Christ. So think about the blessings that you have in your life. More than likely, if you're listening to this episode, you are so much more richer than the rest of the world. The average pay in the world as a whole is $2 a day. So if you make more than that, you are essentially rich and you have these blessings. So count your blessings. These are blessings and and grace from God. And he calls us to be a blessing to those who are less fortunate. Even those who are less fortunate than you, they have blessings because no matter who you are, you always have somebody less fortunate than you and we all have blessings we can count. And it says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, he chose you to be a child of God before the foundation of the world, that that we would be holy and blameless before him. This is how he sees us through Jesus. So when you enter in that judgment day, because we will all get judged, judged by God our Father. We'll all get judged by the Lord Almighty on judgment day when we die. And all the sins, whenever you make that decision for Jesus, he looks at your sin. When he sees you, he sees you through the blood of Jesus. And that is what his desire was. His desire wasn't for you to suffer through through your past and suffer because of your sins, but to see you through the eyes of Jesus. And so that is what he's saying here. He had this all planned out and he sees you as holy and blameless before him through that redemption that Jesus Christ gives us. It says he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. So much grace. We are adopted children of God, of God Almighty. If like this is something like if you're struggling with your identity in Christ, you are a child of of God. You're the child of the eternal King. You're the child of the one who created the, the heavens and the earth, this entire universe. In him, we have redemption through his blood, through Jesus' blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Mm, so nothing, no works, right? According to his grace. <laughs> so good. And also we have obtained an inheritance. So I'm just kind of bouncing around. I'm in 111 now. But in him also we've obtained an inheritance, a heavenly inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who's who works all things after the counsel of his will. And so this inheritance, it's a heavenly inheritance. And the reason you want to really focus on the heavenly inheritance, on your heavenly riches and not on your earthly riches, is because all the things of this earth will burn up before God. It'll burn up when you die. Anything that was not used in the glory of God will burn up in the fire. It won't stand. So having and an, an, an accumulating your inheritance and your riches in heaven is the focus. It should be the focus. So how does it make you feel that you have an inheritance waiting for you? Jesus said himself that he is making a place for you. So your home is not in this world, even though it's beautiful. We also know it's fallen. There's darkness here, right? This is the devil's grounds. So this is your temporary home. 
and there's a permanent home for you in the eternal places and the heavenly places. And so my hope for you really is to just one, acknowledge God's love for you and understand that his love for you is nothing like you've ever experienced. It is perfect. So don't base it off of humans. It's so much more. What he has is so much more. I'm sure none of you would be crucified on a cross and go through all of that for the person that you love the most. And so acknowledging the sacrifice that just really showcases his agape love for you. Yes, sometimes it's easy for us to acknowledge, yes, Jesus died for my neighbor and this person and maybe even for you, Danielle. But no, Jesus died for me. Say it, Jesus died for me. Jesus died for you. It's one thing to acknowledge but accept it. Accept that truth that Jesus died for you and he made you worthy. You're not worthy by your works. He gave you an inheritance and redemption and forgiveness all through grace. Nothing that you have done just through that repentance. All he wants is that repentive and surrendered heart to say, acknowledge, I am fallen. I have rebelled. I am a sinner and I am imperfect. But God you are a God that makes me holy and blameless through Jesus. So it's that humility and that letting go of ego and pride because that truly, and that's what God says is an abomination to him is pride because that is what separates. I'm sure you guys have heard ego edging God out. That is what separates people from their creator is thinking that they can control their life, is thinking that they are the God of their own life and that they can create and follow their own rules. So it's that humility piece and that really saying, look, I didn't create the universe. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I am wait how how am I actually waking up every single day and getting home safely and feeling emotions of love and being able to laugh and being able to play and being able to feel all these things to taste good food? It's because we have a good creator. We have a good God and a good father. And the last point that I want to end with, because you may still be battling and wrestling and look, God wants you to wrestle with him. It becomes a problem when you separate from him and you don't want to wrestle with him anymore. Because if you if you read the word and you agree with every single thing in there the first time you read it and it doesn't challenge you, I can assure you that you really aren't really reading it. <laughs> <laughs> because there are things in here that are going to challenge you. God calls us higher. <laughs> he, he calls us to be set apart and holy, right? Holy means to be set apart from the world. He calls us higher than those who are living within the world. You can be saying, well, if God really loved me, why would he punish me if I don't follow his rules? And so I, like I said in the beginning, his rules are good. If you really look at it, his rules are good. And if you really do a heart check, the only reason you may be struggling with one of the quote unquote rules is because you it's it's a self issue. It's a self thing. It's something that and I'm not to say that none of us are perfect and we all are going to struggle with something. But again, it's that heart posture. Do you have pride? Do you have ego? Or do you have a humble heart and a surrendered heart and a um, repentive heart? So that's what God's looking for. He's not looking for perfection. He's looking for what What's your heart posture? Is it, oh, I don't want to follow the rules that God has laid out for me. So I'm going to pretend that he doesn't exist and that I can be good on my own. I can control my life. Or is it I acknowledge God's law and I acknowledge where I fall short and I acknowledge that I need his grace. I need Jesus and I'm grateful for Jesus and I accept that. 
And the, the question I want to ask, if that is you, is ultimately, if God laid out these rules for our own benefit, and he knew that this is for our own good, that if we follow these in a perfect world, if everybody followed them, we would live in a world much better off. If nobody stole from one another, if everybody was honest, if nobody committed murder or adultery or lied or cheated or had idols before God and trusted in the God that gives life and can take away your life in an instant, like these laws are for for our own benefit. So would he be a loving and a good God if he didn't call us to truly love him? And the word says, if you love me, you will follow my commandments. Would he even be a loving God if he didn't call us and pull us to follow his commands for our own benefit when all things are going to be revealed in the end, when we will see him on judgment day, no matter if you believe in him or not, you will see him face to face on judgment day and all things will be revealed to you. The enemy's lies and God's truth and what you chose to follow and who you chose to be your God. So would he even be a loving God if he knew the outcome and didn't make a pull on your heart, didn't tug on your heart and didn't lay out truth really plainly for you to to follow. And so that's the question I want to leave you with. And I just really hope that you have a desire to build your relationship with the Lord through reading his word, through prayer, and through being in fellowship with other believers and to walk with God every single day and to always turn to him on a good day or a bad day because he has an agape love for you. I want to pray us out. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you, God. I thank you for your wisdom, Lord. I thank you for being the God of all comfort, our internal King God, the God of the heavens and the earth, Lord, our ultimate creator, such a beautiful creator, God, and just being that perfect father for us, Lord. And we know that we are at fault, God. We know that we cannot do anything apart from you, God, that you are our source, Lord. And I just pray over every ear listening, God, that they receive that truth in their heart of hearts, God, and that you renew their mind and renew knew their soul, Lord. Your word says that you are a shepherd and we are your sheep, Lord. And I just pray, God, that that they really accept your promises, that you will prepare a table for them in the presence of their enemies, God, that you will allow their cup to overflow, Lord, that you will allow them to lie down in green pastures and to have this peace and to feel your love, Lord. And I just pray, God, that they feel your love in this moment, that they feel your love throughout the day, God, and that this isn't just a feeling, but this is a truth that they will stand on even when they don't feel that emotion, even when they don't feel that that emotion of love, God, I pray that they seek it, Lord, because they will find it because that is what your word says, that when we seek, we will find. And so I just pray for this diligent seeking of truth and just this acceptance of your free gift of your love and your sacrifice of Jesus Christ, Lord. And with that, God, I just thank you, Lord, for their lives. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's bring it in. Giving you a virtual hug because you just finished another episode of Blackouts to Breakthroughs podcast. And you know what? You just deserve it. The reviews and subscriptions mean a lot to me. So if you love today's episode, make sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on any other episodes. Also, I'd love to hear your takeaways. So feel free to screenshot this episode, put it in your stories and tag me at Blackouts to Breakthroughs on Instagram with your biggest takeaways so I can connect with you and reshare your post. I can't wait to hear from you. Until next time, friend.